There are three sermon texts this morning that I'm going to read quickly, briefly. The first is from Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65, these are the words of God beginning at verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall no more be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. The second reading is from Revelation 21, the first four verses. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And the last is just one verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Our God and Father, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you that you have burst into this dark and sorry world and you have begun to make all things new. Pour out your spirit upon us now so that we might see with even clearer eyes the gift that you have given us. And if anyone here does not yet have that gift, I pray, Father, that you would look down in compassion and give it to them. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to be with you all. Again, it's been a little while. I have been going to church, just so you know. The message this morning is actually very simple, but glorious. It's, uh, you know that the theme of creation and new creation are significant ones running through scripture, beginning at the beginning in Genesis, running all the way through uh, these themes of new creation, God remaking, and then of course the whole Bible ends with this great picture of God remaking all things. But sometimes I think we may forget where God is determined to begin that new work, which is in individuals, in the new birth. The new birth is not merely a significant improvement of who we are. That, that's really, if you want to just take it home and go right now, that's the message. The new birth is not just a significant improvement of who we are. It's a new creation. It's heaven breaking into this world. And this is what makes the Christian church tick. This is why we're here. If this is not real, if this is not true, you should go do something better with your Sundays. But this is the message that we have heard. This is the message that we declare, that Christ makes people new. He makes them completely new. This is what makes the Christian church tick. This is what makes us tick. 
This is what makes Moscow tick. This is the center of who we are and what we're all about. And because of what I want to focus on in this message, I think it's important to nail a couple of things down first. None of what follows, none of what I, 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 I focus on in, in the following should be taken to downplay or lessen in the slightest the glory of the physical return of Jesus which we confess our faith in every week. None of what I am about to say should be taken as downplaying or lessening the glory of heaven or the final new heavens and new earth when all things, all things are made new. For Christians to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in heaven and it is far better to be with the Lord than to be here. 2 Corinthians 5.8. It's far better to be with the Lord. It's far better to be with him. And to be absent from the body is to be with him. At the resurrection, when we are clothed once more in new immortal bodies, all things will be finally and completely made right. We see this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 53 through 55. The glory of heaven will be immense. It will be completely perfect and beautiful and right in every way. And we will see God face to face. And we will be like him without any sin and without any suffering. Revelation 22, verses 3 through 5. 1 John, verse, chapter 3, verse 2. So don't think I'm leaving that behind. It's all there. We, we are, that's, that's our hope, that's our glory, that's our joy to see Christ face to face, to be with him always and at all times for all things to be new and healed and glorious for there be no pain, no suffering. Heaven, resurrection, a final new heavens and new earth. That is our hope and our joy. Nevertheless, Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to pray it in a few minutes. We're going to sing that prayer together in just a few minutes. And what we are praying is that heaven would come down to earth. That's what that prayer means. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Make this world like heaven. Make it as glorious. Make it as beautiful. Make it as painless, make it as tear-free as heaven. That's what we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer, when we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And Scripture says that the new heavens and the new earth are coming down out of heaven now. They have begun to come down out of heaven. Revelation 21, which I just read a moment ago, says that John saw them coming down. They're coming down out of heaven like a bride coming down the aisle to her husband. All glorious, all beautiful. Coming down like a city full of light and jewels. Revelation 21, 1 and 2. Furthermore, the Bible teaches that by the gift of the Holy Spirit, God has also come to dwell with us already. He's come to dwell with us already. 1 John 4.13 says, By this we know 
that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. So there's this glorious picture of God coming to dwell with his people forever, Revelation 29, and yet the Bible also teaches that he has come to dwell with his people. He does dwell with his people now by the gift of his spirit. Finally, we're able not only to know his presence, but the New Testament also says that we are able to behold the glory of the Lord even now. In some mysterious way, we are able to see the glory of Christ even now through the gospel. We see the face of Jesus Christ now so that we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another, becoming more and more like him in this life. 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we behold him. And as we behold him, we are being transformed more and more into his glory. And I think in some ways it can be easy maybe to stop there. Heaven is the goal. Heaven is the plan. We can't wait to get there. And yes, we're praying that it would come and, it, and we can sort of leave it in a, in a kind of vague way. Yes, it's, it's coming. It's sort of this metaphorical city. It's coming. And, and, and maybe we, we squint and have some sense of, okay, maybe, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I think the temptation, particularly growing up in a Christian family, a Christian church like ours, a Christian school, a Christian community like ours, the great temptation is to take all of this for granted and to underplay the radical nature of the new birth. The great blessing of living in a covenant community like ours is all the momentum and gravity generally pulling in the direction of holiness and faithfulness. And, and I want to underline that. I'm, I'm not, don't want to take away from that at all. The great blessing of living in a covenant community like ours is all the momentum and gravity pulling in the direction of holiness and faithfulness. There's a ton of it. It's a huge blessing. It's wonderful. You, you, you find your, your kids coming along and, and, and you've taught them something, but then they're already half a mile further than you. Wait, wait, wait for me. Hold on. I want to keep up with you. The encouragement, the momentum, everyone sort of pulling in a similar direction to Christ, to holiness, to putting off sin, to being more faithful in so many areas. Huge blessing. And with that blessing, it can become perilously easy to float. There's, there's the momentum. There's the river running. It's glorious. It's gorgeous. It's going that way, and you can kind of float. You might even find occasionally that you've accidentally become more holy. Oops. Oh, well, that's great. And, and of course, you know, part of that, when, when, it's, when we're looking to Christ, it, it can be his kindness, his providence, his grace, picking us up, dragging us along, and, oh, thank you, Lord. But it can become perilously easy to just go with the flow. Perilously easy to just go with the flow, which is not the same thing at all as being made new. 
That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as being made new. The text says, our text says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. To be in Christ is to be made completely new. The old has passed away, the new has come. And and the way that I want you to feel this, hear this, drive this home is another way to make this point is to recognize that this language of new creation, you are a new creation, the old has passed away, the new has come, is the language of heaven. That's what Isaiah and Revelation told us. Behold, I make a new heavens and a new earth. Behold, I make all things new. The old has passed away. I make a new Jerusalem of rejoicing. It's the language of heaven. Becoming a Christian is not merely a significant improvement. It's not merely a significant improvement. It is to become entirely new. To become a new creation is for heaven to take up residence inside you. Heaven has come. Heaven has come down. Heaven has begun. Heaven is here. What is heaven? Again, underline this. What what do we mean by heaven? It's the presence of Christ, the presence of Jesus himself, God with us. It's the presence of his perfection, his holiness, his joy, such that we know him and the power of his resurrection now, here, in this life, in this world. Heaven has come. God is with us. Christ is with us. Heaven is the full possession. The full possession of unending, indestructible, abundant life. The full possession of unending, indestructible, everlasting, abundant life. Remember Jesus talking to the sisters after Lazarus has died. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Shall never die. To know Christ, to believe in Christ, to be made a new creation means you cannot die. He lives though he dies. You have everlasting life. You have indestructible life. You have abundant life. You have life that cannot be taken from you. You've been made completely new. It's it's not just that you can handle death better. I think I'm prepared a little better. I know it'll be hard, but I think, I, I think I'll face it a little better. That's not what Jesus says. He says those who have come to know him, who have believed in him, will never die. Though they die, they will live. They pass through it. 
They don't die. They have life that cannot be taken from them. Even as their body dies, they cannot die. One of the wild things about the text from Isaiah 65 that I read a minute ago is it actually goes on. I'm going to read it. I just read the first few verses from 17. Behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Be glad, rejoice. I create a Jerusalem of rejoicing. Verse 19, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her. The voice of crying. And of course, that sounds just like the Revelation 21 text that I was just reading a moment ago. But actually in Isaiah 65, it goes on. It says, there shall be no more an infant of days, nor an old man that is not filled out his days, for the child shall die at a hundred years old. So this is a new heavens and a new earth in which people are still dying. But, but you're considered, you know, unfortunate if you lived a hundred years. The sinner being a hundred years shall be accursed. They will build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit They shall not plant and another eat, for as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. He's talking about people who are still bearing children for the blessing. They're not bearing children that will then be cursed. They're bearing children who will then be blessed, and they will live these extraordinarily long lives. Isaiah 65 describes life in this world, the new heavens and the new earth in this world, in this time continuum, in this history, when people are still being born and living and being buried, foretelling days in which people will live these extraordinarily long lives and children are born from blessing and not for cursing. In other words, that new heavens and that new earth begin here. They begin here in a Jerusalem of rejoicing where there is no weeping nor crying. That's what it says. Where there's no weeping or crying, and and you say, but it's still hard here. I still cry. We still lose little ones or parents. Things aren't going exactly grand in our land. And Isaiah says, Behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. I create a Jerusalem of rejoicing, and the voice of weeping shall no more be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. For those who are new creations in Christ, the old is passed away. Christ is with us, and this is the point, fundamentally, fundamentally, Everything is already right. Everything is already good. Heaven has come. Jesus is wiping away every tear even now. The same creator God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness in the beginning is still in the business of creating new worlds in human hearts It's that same command, let light shine out of darkness. Let this dark void and empty space of a human heart 
shine forth with a new world, a new heavens, a new earth, light, health, life. And it's the kind of creation that can never die. It's the kind of new creation that can never be taken away. The same creator God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness in the beginning is still in the business of creating new worlds in human hearts through the knowledge of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He goes on in the next verse. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in the earthen vessels of our fallen bodies and souls, of our bodies that are wasting away, getting tired, getting old, wearing out, dying. We have this treasure, but, but this is the point. I think it's easy to read that verse, hear that verse, and what we focus on is the earthen vessels. Man, yeah, these earthen vessels are rough. Wow, it's tough. I'm getting old, it's getting hard. Bad things keep happening. But, but you miss the point, I think, if that's all you do. We have this treasure. That's, that's the point. We have this treasure. Yeah, we have earthen vessels. Yeah, we are broken. Yeah, we're cracked pots of clay. Yeah, we've got all this sin and gunk and hardship. And but we have this treasure. The new birth is a new creation of a new and perfect world inside every believer. To be a new creation is to be made completely new. We have this treasure, and this treasure cannot be taken away. This treasure is new life, new heavens, new earth, new creation, life abundant, heaven itself, Christ himself inside every believer. And so the charge is, do not settle for a decent conservative Christian life. That's not why we're here. Don't settle for reasonable. Don't settle for good enough. Well, this is just, I mean, I think our marriage, this is just as good as it's gonna get. I'm just not a very good dad. I think this is about as good as it's gonna get. I'm, I'm just not like all the other moms. I think this is just as good as it, gets. Our family just can't be like all the other families. You don't understand where we came from, what we grew up with. That's not what Christ came to do. He came to make all things new. He came to make new creations. You see, the harder it is, the uglier it is, the darker it is, that is only to underline what he does. He, he doesn't take people who are doing pretty well and give them a hand. He takes darkness and he makes light. He takes the formless and he fills it with glory. He takes emptiness and loneliness and he fills it with community and life and people. He takes what's not there and he makes a new creation. That's the point. To, to say that, well, this is just as good as it gets is to say it's so far down, so far bad, it's so far demolished, it's so far destroyed, it's so far rotten that it, it can't get better than this. You don't get it. You're still thinking like God has something to work with. 
A new creation has nothing to do with what's there. There's nothing there. He calls light out of darkness. He calls a new creation out of nothing. He calls a new creation out of nothing. We have this treasure. Don't settle for mediocre. Do not say, this is just how it is. Christ does not make mutant mistakes. Christ doesn't start working on you and say, well, that's about as good as it gets with her. I tried, but clearly there's nothing to do with her. There's nothing to do with him. I mean, the way he was brought up, his background, his dad, his mom, her past sins, what happened to her, what he said to her. I mean, yeah, well, uh, oh, well, I'll try somebody else. Christ did not die to leave you there. He died and rose again to make you new. Christ died to make people new creations. Christ rose in order to give the treasure of everlasting life. Heaven now. Heaven now. In you. Heaven in you. Somehow. I don't, how? I don't know. Why? It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. What, what's in there? Christ in you. Heaven in you now. How could you settle? He is at work in you. He came to give abundant life, to make us more than conquerors in all the messes, in all the challenges, in all the difficulties. We do live in a veil of tears, but if you are in Christ, you live in that veil of tears with Christ. Where are you? What's going on around you? Where is the difficulty? Where is the heartbreak? Where is the challenge? Where is the unknown? Are you in Christ? Then Christ is standing right there with you. He's right there with you. He's in you facing that. How can you fail? How can you falter? He is there with you in it. Now. And if Christ is in you, then the fullness of heaven is already in you. The fullness of heaven is already in you. And, and he is wiping away your tears. They disappear almost as quickly as they appear. That's what you should find, being in Christ. They come and Christ wipes them, takes them away. All things new. Do you have that treasure? Do you know that joy? Has that new world begun in you? And it's strange and wild and kind of disturbing. Has it begun in you? Do you see it every day growing in you, Christ in you? It's impossible for you to get this for yourself. It's impossible for you to get this for yourself. That's, that's the thing about new creation is, is if, if becoming a Christian is about getting a significantly better life, then there's always some kind of handle, some way in which you can help. I, I know I'm gonna, 
I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be a better dad this week. I'm going to try this. I'm going to read a, a parenting book, a marriage book, a business guru book. I'm going to be better. I'm going to improve. But that's not a new creation. You can't bring life out of nothing. You can't call light out of darkness. All you can do is call on the Lord. But this is something that God delights to do. When you call on him, please, make me new. Or maybe you've been a Christian, but you've been walking in the dark. You have unconfessed sin. You've lost the joy of your salvation. Call on the Lord and ask him, show me the treasure. The earthen vessel part has clogged my eyes. My day-to-day life has just bogged me down. I've turned away from you. Christ, help me see you so that I can walk in the joy of your salvation. Call on him now. Turn to him now. He loves to give this gift. A number of years ago, there was an elderly man. Maybe some of you will remember him. He had had some strokes, and was a, he was a single man, never married, never had kids. He was a walker, had a very bad speech impediment, visited our church some, came over to Trinity for a number of years, named Jim. And somewhere in there, I started visiting him pretty regularly at a nursing home where he lived. No family that I knew of visited him with any kind of regularity, all alone. And uh, he taught me to play pinochle. And uh, so we started playing pinochle together. And, uh, and I would occasionally read scripture to him, pray with him. We'd, we would talk about the gospel. And somewhere halfway through there, um, I think he became a Christian. Um, I think he'd been baptized as, as a little guy. Uh, but uh, out of the blue, in the middle of that, he would start, he would, we'd be in the middle of a pinochle game. And he would just look up at me and just say, Toby, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And then you just go back to pinochle. And the first few times, I just thought, oh, yeah, you know, old guy, nice, you know, good. But he would stop me sometimes as I was, I was leaving, and he'd grab my arm really firmly, and he'd look me in the eye, and he'd say, I'm so happy. And we talked, and, and I really believe, as, as, as I sort of drew it out of him, he said, I used to be so angry. I, I was in the outs with my family. Um, you know, no one ever came to see me. And... And then I, I, I came to know Christ. And now I'm so happy. And I remember as his health declined, I went and visited him the day before he died in the nursing home and was there reading scripture with him. And one of the very last things I asked him before I walked out the door was, Jim, he couldn't, he couldn't talk anymore. He's all, you know, dried out. I'm just putting a little sponge of water on his tongue kind of thing. And I, but his eyes were open and he was, you know, could not nod at me occasionally. And I, I said, Jim, are you still happy? And with all the vigor he could muster, shook his head up and down. And I'll never forget that. Because he had something that could not be taken away. He had Jesus. He had heaven already in his heart, in his mind, in his soul. He was already there 
and it was just a few more minutes, and he'd be fully there. This is what makes us tick. Jesus. 2,000 years ago, he was crucified on a Roman cross between two thieves. He really was. And he was beaten and whipped and nailed to that cross, and our sins were laid on him. And now we bear them no more. The old is gone. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, because Christ is here. He is with us. He is our heaven. And he holds us tight. Our God and Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I pray that you would pour out his spirit on us once more this morning, that we might renew the joy of our salvation, the joy of being made completely new, wipe away our tears, take away our hard hearts, take away the cataracts that don't allow us to see clearly who you are and what you've done and what you're doing. Oh God, we thank you for what you are doing in our midst in this community. And I pray that Jesus would remain the center amidst all the blessings, amidst all the great things you're doing. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on the treasure that he is, so that your blessing may continue among us. And we ask this in his name, who taught us to pray, singing. If we turn outward and look at this world, we see ruin, destruction, hopelessness, and the crumbling towers of man's project to save himself. That world, the one ruled by man's sinful ambition to be as God, is fading like a mist. But if we turn and look at this table, we see the seed of how God is remaking the entire world. He is doing so by means of the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus of Nazareth. Sinking down into fertile soil are the roots of the perfect righteousness of Christ, fulfilling all of God's holy law on your behalf. Bursting forth into flowering branches is the reconciliation between God and man and between man and his brother. Here is the seed from which it all springs, and its branches are spreading out to fill the whole world. This supper offers us a glimpse of how things will one day be. Christ ruling over every individual, Christ subduing all enemies, Christ casting out all your sin, and not yours only, but every last sin of every last saint, casting them all forever into the sea. Christ establishing his kingdom, where all the saints share the joy of his presence in the company of the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Christ on high and Christ within, Christ enthroned and Christ indwelling. In partaking of this supper, we partake of everlasting life. We taste the sweetness of joy fully ripened. We catch the wafting aroma of heaven's perfect peace as we commune with Christ and each other here at the Lord's table. All of Christ, for all of life, for all the world, that is this redeemed world's final destination. So now, partake of how things shall soon be, for Christ is here, given for you. So come in faith. And welcome to Jesus Christ. Why is it so good? Why is it so great to be here? Why is it so great to be with our families? Why is it so great to be at this table? Because Jesus is here. Because he is here and he's begun to make us all new. The old is past. It's gone. We are new creations in Christ. And soon the whole world will be new with us. So go out. 
under the blessing of the new creation, the God who loves to call the light out of the darkness, the God who has made you new. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his counts upon you and grant you his peace. And amen.